Good afternoon and welcome, 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 welcome to the first ever episode of the Transformational Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Hyman, and I'm looking forward to having you guys along for this journey of growth for me that I hope will allow you to grow yourself as you listen and read the content uh, that we're going to discuss over the next few months. Uh, This has been a really big last month for me. I've made some tremendous changes in my life uh, with the help help of my wife, obviously, kind of giving me the thumbs up and the okay to kind of pursue some things that are really really big to me, but it's been a big month. Um, It's been a month full of growth for me. It's been, uh, from a health standpoint, mental health, physical health, uh, all that stuff's just been a big, big, big time, big time in my life. Um, So as part of that growth, uh, I've kind of made myself a little vulnerable, went out on on a limb a little bit and did some uncomfortable things. Uh, things like <clears throat> starting a Substack, things like starting a website, now things like starting a podcast, and um, you know it was I was very nervous about it to begin with, just because I said, well, you know, I feel like I got these these ideas and these um, thoughts that you know, yeah, I share them with my kids, share them with my wife, share them with the kids I coach share them with the coaches I coach with, but it's, it takes a, to, to throw all your thoughts out there for the whole world to see, to judge it, to critique it and all that other stuff. It just, it's a big step. So, um, I've probably, I, I hate to admit it. I've probably always cared a little too much about what people thought. Um, so I've gotten away from that a lot here recently and it's hard to just say, Hey, I feel like <clears throat> my journey through life has put me in a really good spot. Uh, I feel like I'm qualified to talk about a lot of the stuff that I talk about. And if one person listens or reads or whatever, and it impacts their life in a positive way uh, to where, you know, maybe they don't have to experience some of the, some of the pain that I've gone through or made some of the bad mistakes made or some of the bad decisions that I've made, then Hey, it's, it's time well spent. So um, that's kind of what this is all about. Uh, now, as far as me personally, I'll give you, a, for those of you that don't know me, um, give you a little little intro to me, the host. Uh, my name's Brandon Hyman. I'm 33, year old, 33 years old. <clears throat> um, I live in a big city in South Carolina called Florence, South Carolina. Most people don't know Florence when they think of South Carolina. They think of Myrtle Beach. Why, I don't know. I know people from up north like to come vacation down here all the time. I still don't understand why. Um, But anyways, this is not a vacation podcast. This is a uh, transformational coaching podcast. So let me get back on topic. But uh, that's where I'm from. Um, I've got a beautiful wife. Uh, Catherine, uh, she's a CPA here in town. She's built her and her dad have built their firm up from the from the floor to where it's at now. She's very successful. She's always been driven, motivated. Um, when you think about you know everything that you ask for out of a spouse, she's that, and then some. Um, I would not be where I am today without my wife. I'll tell you that now. I'd, I have no 
there's no part of embarrassment in saying that. Um, yeah, I'm proud of who I am, but I'm who I am because of my spouse who challenges me to be better every single day. So if you don't have somebody in your life that's doing that, who's checking you when you're wrong, um, who's challenging you to be better, you need to find one because it's where I was in my life when I met my wife was a really bad spot. Um, and I'll talk about that in a later episode, but, uh, she literally gave me the motivation I needed to, to take my life from the dumps at that time to where it's at now. So, Kat, if you're listening, I love you, baby. Thank you. Um, now, as far as children go, uh, we've got two kids. We've got a 17-year-old. Uh, his name's Jack. Uh, when I think about coaching and the type of kids that I love to coach, Jack, rep- Jack represents everything great about, uh, like, the, like the kids that we, I say all the time, you know, these kids represent everything great about South Lawrence baseball. Well, Jack doesn't play baseball in South Lawrence. He doesn't play baseball at all. He's a golfer. But I always say, hey, if I had nine kids who competed and worked their tail off the way my oldest son does, we'd probably never lose. And I mean, um, that's how he handles every aspect of his life. Um, I mean, the kid's 17 years old and he, you know, thinks Tom Brady's the GOAT. And, and I agree with that, but he took it to the extreme. He's on the TB12 diet now, um, which is, like, ridiculous. To me, it's ridiculous for a 17-year-old. But the benefits he's gotten by being on the diet has been actually pretty impressive to the point that my wife's now on it, my mother-in-law's on it. I'm thinking about going on it. If I could give up the coffee, you have to give up coffee to be on that diet. I probably would, but because you can't give up coffee, I'm probably not going to do it. Um, but anyways, so that's my oldest son, Jack. <clears throat> uh, he's <laughs> he's the good child we have. Um, our youngest son, Holt, he's four. Um, he's going to be our hellion. Okay, he's uh, he's been a fighter since the day he was born. Uh, he had a bunch of health challenges when he was born, and you know they the daughter's name was Doctor Jenkins at the time. And she kind of gave me and my wife this this idea that, you know, Holt wasn't ever going to see life after two years old. And he was, he's far exceeded expectations. He's got a condition called MCAP, M-C-A-P, M-C-A-P. Um, but he's been a fighter his whole life and he's really, he's doing really well. So, uh, real proud of him and the progress he's made. And, and you know, we... I'm gonna get every. I'm gonna get all I bargained for with him because you know Jack was easy. Um, Holt's gonna be that one that we have to worry about dangling out of his second story window, sneaking out, showing up late. I mean, it'll only happen one time, then we'll correct it. But you know what I'm saying? He's gonna be that guy. Um, so that's my family. Uh, my family is why I do what I do every day. Um, they're my motivation to get up and get going. Uh, outside of a family life, I've got, I do two things professionally. Okay. The first thing I do is I'm a pharmaceutical rep. Uh, I've been doing that for right at six years, going on seven years now. I did the first six years with, uh, a company called Pfizer. Um, I'm sure everybody knows who Pfizer is. They've been making the headlines a lot lately, but I recently switched over to a company called Novartis. Uh, I've always sold cardiovascular products. I used to sell 
Also, you should sell a great product called Viagra and a product called Chantix, which is a smoking cessation product. So, um, my territory covers, you know, the PD area of South Carolina, which is great. Got great doctors, great staffs that I call on. Um, I really love, like, the pharmaceutical industry is really my niche as far as my sales career has gone. Um, it's where I really figured out, like, what I was really good at. So, um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at professionally. I've been blessed that by working <clears throat> for a pharmaceutical company, they always value work-life balance. Um, they put they make that a priority. So, one great thing about working for those companies is also allowed me to do my other passion, which is coaching baseball. Um, and coaching baseball at the high school level has been one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done in my life internally. Um, just when you get to take a bunch of guys in the seventh grade and you get to follow them from seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade to see where they're at when they get to the end of the finish line there, it's been incredible. Um, you know, I, I, when I was talking about my family earlier, I've got a wife and two kids, but I kind of tell everybody else, I'm like, oh, I got my wife and I got my two kids at home and then I've got about 32 other sons at the baseball field. And, and that's true. Um, you know, a lot of this podcast, this transformational coaching podcast and the website and the content that I've been putting out on Substack and, and stuff like that, you know, it's all geared from the things that I've learned coaching high school baseball. And this first, actually this first podcast today is going to be about some of the key things that I've learned from coaching high school baseball. But um, just, it's been one of the most fulfilling and rewarding things I've ever done. It's time consuming, you know. It's You get off work, you go straight from work to, to the field, you don't get home till late. There's a lot of sacrifices made. Uh, not just by me, but my family, obviously. Um, but, you know, it's, it's what I love to do. It's what I kind of, when you, when I talk about my journey through life, I feel like this is really my bigger calling is, is being a servant in that, in that area and, and, and trying to make a positive impact on young men's lives. Um, because I certainly had a lot of people making a positive impact on mine. So uh, that's that's kind of, that's who I am. That's what I'm all about. Well, I guess I should tell you where I coach. I coach, I'm an assistant baseball coach at South Florence High School. Uh, it's right here in Florence, South Carolina. We've got the greatest kids in the world, man. Um, and for the most part, we've got a lot of supportive parents too. we got a supportive administration. Uh, we've got a great head coach in Kenny Gray. He was actually my high school coach. Uh, and it's been one of my, my greatest – one of the greatest things getting to come back and coach for the guy that you played for in high school. Um, and I tell you, you know, it's been awesome too because, you know, I'm, I'm coaching with uh, Rhodes Dickerson, who's a guy that I competed against and played a little bit of college baseball with. Well, he played. I didn't make it through the fall, but, you know, again, we all have a journey. His journey was a little more, you know, 
down the straight path than mine. Mine was a little, you know, around the curves a little bit, but we both ended up at the same spot and we both have great stories to tell. Uh, growing up, I, I always wanted to be a South Lawrence baseball player because of guys like Trey Allison, who I coach with now. Uh, he's our head JV coach and, um, you know, that's been real cool just getting an opportunity to see a guy that you grew up being like, hey, man, I want to be like that guy for, as a, from a baseball player standpoint. And then now you're coaching with him today. So it's been sweet. Um, you know, and then the other coaches I coach with, Coach Terrence Scott, phenomenal guy. He, uh, he put me down on uh, this book called One Pitch Warrior, uh, which has been something I've kind of built my own offensive philosophy off of based off the coach – Coach, I can never say his last name. I think it's Justin Damer, Demer, one of the two. Um, but, you know, that, that book's made an instrumental impact on my life. And that all came from, you know, this random guy, Terrence Scott, who moved here to be a teacher at Southside and was like, hey, man, you need an assistant on the middle school? I said, Hell yeah, man, come on. And, um, yeah, so we built a great relationship. Uh Coach Tony Moore, he's coaching with us for the first time this year. But my point is, you know, my point about all this is, you know, outside of my wife and my kids, the relationships, and when I say kids, I mean our baseball players as well, the relationships that you form with the coaches, uh, they're some of the most meaningful and impactful relationships you have in your life. And and all, all those people that I'm talking about, and, and I've left a couple of people off, so, you know, my apologies, but, you know, you spend a lot of time with these guys, and uh, they impact your life in a lot of good ways. So, um, yeah, that, that's a big thing. So that's what we're all about at South Florence. Give you a little little recap of us. So over the last five years, we're 128. So we're 100 wins, 28 losses, two region championships. Uh, we've been ranked top ten in the state for the last two years straight on every poll that's come out. Uh, we've been real close. Um now we made it to the district championship game last year and uh, couldn't pull through. But, you know, we had a great group of guys. All four of our guys last year went on to play college baseball. This year we've got our senior class. We've got a few guys going on to play college baseball. But uh, I can tell you of all the teams that have coached in my life, this 2023 team, it might be the best team that I've coached. Um it reminds me a lot of the team that I played for in 2007 that went on to play for Lower State. We weren't necessarily the most talented group. Now we had we had some talent, but you know the thing that we did better than everybody else was we played as a unit. And uh, the early, you know, the fall, the win- the open seasons, and then the preseason so far has told us we've got a really really good team, team like unit. So. Um, and we got some pretty daggum good baseball players too. But this group, they represent everything great about South Florence baseball. Um, we're led by a tremendous, tremendous leader in Kenny Gray, Coach Kenny Gray. Um, and we got a heck of a lot of good coaches on this staff too. So it's going to be really fun to see kind of how things pan out for us. But um, this is year six for me as an assistant coach. You know, I'm, I'm an assistant coach on the JV and varsity level now. Uh, base running and outfield play is kind of my two big things uh, that I emphasize. Um, but it's year six, and I can tell you when I got into it six years ago, um, I had no idea what I was getting into, okay? Just just keeping it real with you. 
Sorry to get a little sip of coffee there. Uh, wet my whistle. Um, but I didn't know what I was getting into. Uh, you know, I I had an idea because of what I went through as a player. Um, you know, and I say what I went through as a player. I, I remember high school baseball being my coach held us to a high standard. Um, there was – we didn't get babied. You know, there was no – my opinion didn't really matter a whole heck of a lot. Like, you had a job to do. Our coach was building – Coach Graves building young men. Um, and sometimes that took tough love and, and stuff like that. And, you know, that's what I thought I was getting into. And, you know, what you end up realizing is the world kind of changes a little bit around you, so you got to kind of pivot and shift. And I'll talk about that on a later episode. But – um, there were some things that that uh, are, are really important to me that I've actually learned after six years of being in the dugout, and I'm a, I just want to highlight on all, talk on all those, and then give you some final thoughts on everything as I enter this six year coaching. So, the uh, number one, like, just biggest thing that I know now that I didn't know then was it or is. The greatest sacrifice in coaching comes from the family of the coaches, not from us coaches ourselves, right? Um, at the end of the day, if I didn't have a supportive wife and great kids at the house, I, I couldn't. I couldn't coach high school baseball. I mean, we go from August of like this year. We'll go from August of twenty three or sorry, of 22, so last year when we started, August of 22, and we'll start lifting weights and doing all that, you know, three times a week, okay? And then now in October, we get an open season where we can practice the whole month of October, so we do that. Then we get, you know, November's strength and conditioning, December strength and conditioning, January open season, February season starts, that runs all the way through May. If you're still playing at the end of May, uh, you've had a really good year. After that, uh, we jump right into Sandlapper Baseball League, which is a league that we created. Um, you know, that's our summer league where all the high schools do it, and that runs through the end of July, early August. So it's it's literally a year-round affair, um, and there's a tremendous amount of sacrifice that goes on from our families, you know, during spring, I don't get to sit down at the dinner table and, and, uh, eat a whole lot of hot meals with my family, except for on the weekends. Um, yeah, my oldest son, he plays golf at the high school level and I miss tournaments sometimes. I miss matches. Uh, you miss things and, uh, it sucks because you're doing, you're missing all those things to, to help other people's kids. Um, and a lot of times they don't appreciate it, right? I mean, I think not not everybody, but certainly <clears throat> a lot of people are still in the what's in it for me mindset and don't think about all the sacrifice. But that's what we signed up for, right? Um, you know, the 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 biggest, the heart the most important thing that I have to challenge myself on from a sacrifice standpoint is, you know, 
you're juggling a lot of things. You're trying to be a great employee. You're trying to be a great husband, a great father, and a great coach. Um, and the challenge is like, I mean, you're you're constantly burning out of both ends of the of the, of the stick, man. Like you gotta you gotta burn it out of both ends. Like when wherever your feet are, you gotta be great. You gotta be one hundred percent locked in on on the people in front of you. And and that's something I wasn't good at early on. You know, I'd come home from practice and and I still do. I, in fact, I did this last night. My wife said, hey, you know, let's stay off the coach's group chat when you get home when you've been gone all day. Hey, you're right. It won't happen again. Um, but that's what it comes down to. You just got to be locked in wherever your feet are. Um, and I wasn't good at it early on. I'm still not great at it now. Things go bad at the field. Sometimes you carry it home. And, you know, we've been dealing with some stuff with a couple of players here recently that that's been kind of kind of trying and tough. You know, you carry that stuff home. But got good news, got a great wife. I can actually sit down and talk to her about those things. And, you know, it gives us an opportunity to build through, build our relationship through kind of bouncing ideas off of her and, and stuff like that as well. But, um, you know, at the end of this, what it comes down to is they make a tremendous sacrifice. So our job as coaches is when we get home, we got to be 100% locked in on those people uh, because people under that roof, they've earned every, every ounce of attention. Uh, while we're there. So uh, that's the number one thing, you know, number one biggest thing. Uh, the second thing is uh, the greatest victories that we're going to get in coaching will come many years after our players have made their final outs. And this is a big one for me. I, You know, we, we spend a tremendous amount of time with our players every year, um, you know, basically 12 months out of the year. Um, and they show up most of them show up in seventh grade uh, and join our middle school program. So we get to see them as seventh graders, where they are as players, where they are as people. Uh, and then we get to see that progression through through the next six years of their life. Um, you know, and I tell them, I say, you know, one day you're going to play your last out, play your last inning here. You're going to record your last out. You're going to get your last hit. Like all that stuff's, you know, gonna happen like coach gray talks about this all the time you know that that's part of uh it's a finite game like there's an ending to to high school baseball at some point it's gonna end but but there's an infinite game as well and that infinite game is we got to help you we got to help develop you as players but we also got to help develop you as people that way when you leave us you know we're not coaching you anymore, but hopefully the lessons that you've learned are going to help you step out into the world and be great people, uh, be great coaches if you try to be coaches, be great employees, be great husbands and fathers and all those other other great things. You have to be great out to be successful in life. So, you know, for me, it's the getting those text messages. I, I haven't had any kids get married yet, but, you know, it's those, those questions or not those questions, those texts where... You know, they say, Coach, I, I wouldn't be where I am without you. You know, thanks for everything you've invested in my life. It's stuff like that that makes you say, you know what, man? Like, this is what it's all about. Um, you know, when you're developing, you know, when you're when you're doing things the right way, um, you get stuff like that, and 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 that's what it's all about. So that's that. Uh, the third thing that I want to talk about is <clears throat> this kind of goes goes in line with. What, what I was just talking about when we talk about developing guys, but 
you know, we got to develop players from the inside out. Um, that's number three most important lesson I've learned. And I actually got that from a guy named Kirk Corbett, or Coach Kirk. Coach Kirk, as I call him. But um, Coach Kirk was a heck of a guy. Um, still is a heck of a guy. He's he's um, not dead. He's alive. But <laughs> talking about him in past tense. Sorry, Kirk. Um, but anyways, you know, phenomenal guy. I wish I talked to him more than I do currently. I need to call him back, actually. We've been playing phone tag. Well, he's called me a couple times. I haven't called him back. Coach Kirk, I'm sorry. I'm calling you as soon as I get done with this podcast. Um, but Coach Kirk was the uh, first guy I coached baseball with. Um, outside of like rec ball, um, we had, you know, my oldest son Jag was playing baseball at the time. His oldest son Bryson uh, was playing at the time, and um, you know, he started. Coach Kirk started a travel ball team, and and he asked me to help him out, and I did. And funny story of the way we started off. It started it off is I was the hitting coach, and he was the pitching coach, and. Coach Kirk, about halfway through, so we ain't hitting too well and we're not pitching too well, so I think we need to fire the pitching coach and fire the hitting coach, and we reverse roles, and things kind of turned around after that point. So, But anyways, Kirk was, again, he's a phenomenal guy, but he was a cancer survivor, and you know he, he used to tell the story all the time about like how close he was and almost dying, and it kind of made me think about, you know, you hear people talk about they have these, I guess, these flashes when they have a near-death experience and you kind of see your life in a snippet. And, you know, I, I don't know what his snippet was. He never really talked about it. Um, but I do know he always made it really important that we tried to help young people be great Christians. And um, that was real important to Kirk. And, and, and he really was the first guy to make an impact on me as a coach. I mean, Coach Gray made a tremendous impact on me as a man and as a player and certainly propelled me um, to where I'm at and influences me daily as a coach. But Kirk, what he did, that was the first time I'd ever been a coach. And the impact he made on me was was really big there, um, and his you know his philosophy was real simple. Like he 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 felt like our job as coaches is to develop young people in this order: as Christians first, people second, baseball players third. And I remember he would say this a hundred times: "Man, if we can lead one player to Christ through this game, then we're doing our part as Christians." And um, that always stuck with me. You know, I, I'll be the first to admit I'm probably not – I probably don't lean on my faith as much as I should. Um, and it's a constant battle, and it's something I work at daily to try to get better at instead of making excuses for why I don't. It just comes down to priorities, and I have to prioritize my faith because I have all I have in life because of my faith because, you know, it's – that's where we're at. Um but anyways, back to the point, you know, you start talking about what Kirk did to try to lead kids to Christ. And we'd play on these tournaments on the weekend where we'd have, you know, travel ball stuff going on on 
Saturdays and Sundays, so there wasn't no time to go to church. So we would have church at a baseball field uh, during a session called Back Truck Baptist. And uh, we'd pile into the back of Coach Kirk's Chevy Silverado. We'd pull up chairs. We'd do all that stuff. And, um, you know, he'd preach. He'd give us a, he'd give us a lesson. And, uh, man, he, he, could, he could give a good lesson now. Um, one of the best lessons I ever learned from him that I still, still talk about with our players is wanting more for your brother than you want for yourself. And, you know, it, <clears throat> it takes a different kind of love in your heart to want the guy at the plate to be the hero instead of you being the hero. Uh, but that's what great teams do. And, you know, that's what this year's team for us, I can tell you right now, there ain't a guy in our dugout who's not looking at that guy at the plate saying, I want that guy to be the hero. And uh, it's a good feeling. That's something I learned from Coach Kirk. It's something that's always been important to me, and it's it's certainly something that, you know, I try to instill in our young men. But, you know, that's the arguably the best lesson I learned in coaching um, was – our jobs as coaches to build players from the inside out. And I got that from Coach Kirk, Kirk Corbett. So, Coach, thank you for everything you did for me as a coach. Uh, the next most important thing that I, that I learned was uh, they won't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. All right. And I always – I know that sounds cliche, so – you know, I'm sorry for using some cliche, my bad. But um, I always was a big Frank Martin guy, okay? And I know Frank Martin kind of gets mixed reviews in the coaching community. Some people think he's abusive. Some people think he's this and that. You know, listen, my only knock on Frank Martin is after we had that Final Four run, I felt like we should have recruited a little bit better than we did and probably – took that step towards becoming a big-time basketball program. But I also know without Frank Martin, nobody would even be talking about South Carolina basketball. So, uh, but anyways, I've always been a big fan of him. Uh, he was a tough coach. Early in my career, I tried to be like Frank Martin. Um, I thought that you, you know, you, I just – that was kind of the way I was coached. You know, I had hard-nosed, tough coaches – they demanded a lot out of you, expected you to execute and all that. Um, but the one great thing about Frank Martin, if you ever watch, I encourage everybody to go watch his his post-game um, interview after we lost in the Final Four and the emotion and the love that he showed towards those kids. Um, and honestly, the love that those kids showed towards him. Was Frank Martin a tough coach? Yeah. Did everybody know Frank Martin knew basketball? Yeah. Uh, did everybody know Frank Martin's a really tough coach? Yeah. But nobody cared about everything he knew until they knew that, like, Frank loved those guys. Yes, Sendarius Thornwell or any of those other guys on that team, the guys at Kansas State when Frank Martin uh, coached there. Um, the guys who stuck it out for Frank Martin, I think they all would say that, you know, this guy right here, Frank Martin, cared about me more as, as a person than he did as a basketball player. And uh, that's important because once you know that, right, 
when you know, hey, my coach loves me as a person, he cares about me as a person more than he cares about me as a player, like, then the coaching part from him becomes easy. It's like, okay, well, I go down and lay in front of a bus for this guy because I know he cares about me. I go lay down in front of a bus for him because I know he'd take a bullet for me. And then, you know, they, it just makes the coaching aspect of it easier when a guy knows you care about him and they know that you're going to put out for him. So, thanks, Coach Martin, for that. I sent you an email. You never respond, but I won't hold it against you because I know you're a busy guy. Um, <clears throat> the next lesson that I learned from uh, my six years of in the dugout, I got my list here and I lost lost track of it. Okay, here we go. All right, so there are things I know as a coach that I never would have understand as a parent or a player. And this is especially true for me as a player because I never knew how much time my coaches spent agonizing and worrying about me as a person, right? Um, and, and this is a big thing in parents. This isn't a shot towards y'all, so if you're listening, I'm not making, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to pick a fight with you. I'm just telling you something that you need to understand. Okay, because as parents, and I'm a parent too, we have a tendency to view things uh, in a very, we have our blinders on. Okay, and we look at it as a personal attack on our kid as to why he's not playing. You know, my coach, his coach, must not like him. His coach is, his coach is friends with the daddy of the kid who plays his position. Blah, 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 blah. Happens every year. Okay. Um, at the end of the day when we bench a kid or we have to punish a kid it's not personal man we're just trying to challenge them to be better okay that's something that I wouldn't understand as a parent because I haven't been in the shoes of a coach or yeah that's something I wouldn't understand as a parent if I had never been a coach I just feel like man what is going on like he's not like my kid or something like that like what, what's the deal um, but now that I'm a coach, I understand because I know how many hours I spend talking about different kids on our team with our coaching staff, guys who maybe are struggling as a person, guys who are struggling physically with the game, you know, and stuff like that. Like we spend hours talking about that and trying to figure out how we can help them, how we can correct them. All right. Who wants to have this conversation with them? Hey, we need to emphasize this point with them to try to get the, you know, try to get them to be better, whatever. Um, the parents don't see all that. So, and even the players, the players don't see that either. So, you know, it's easy to get caught up and, you know, as a parent, only focus on your child and their feelings. And, you know, we always remember, okay, well, that coach pinch hit for my kid in the seventh inning after he was 0 for 3 with three strikeouts. I can't believe he would do that. But, you know, it's like, have you ever thought about the reason that I took him out? Well, it had nothing to do with me wanting to win in that situation, but it might have had something to do with the fact that I didn't know that he, I didn't think that he could handle another at bat of potentially striking out. I mean, I remember one time last year, I had a guy playing left field for me over the summer. I mean, literally could not buy a catch in left field. Okay. I mean, every time the ball was hit, I was like, please, God, please, God, please, God, do, do my man a solid, do my man a solid. Finally, 
you know, it was a tough night. Tough sky, tough lights, everything. Everything went went bad for this kid. And I don't like doing this, but I took him out of the game after back-to-back errors in, like, the sixth inning defensively. And, like, threw my arm around and was like, hey, man, dude, I, I, I'm protecting you from yourself at this point. This doesn't have anything to do with the fact that we just gave up three runs on two plays. It really – it truly didn't. had everything to do with – I'm about to crush this kid's morale and his soul if he has another ball hit to him and he doesn't catch it. Now, to the parents, which they're reasonable people, so I don't know if they if they know this story or not. Um, I don't pay attention to stuff like that during the game, but you know, I don't know what their thoughts were. I don't know if their thoughts were, well, dang, he just you know just embarrassed my kid like that, or if their thoughts were, well, he should have caught the ball. I don't know, um, but. The point is, like, that was my motivation behind doing that. It was the kid, his feelings, and me not being sure that he could handle something else bad happening and still have the courage to show up tomorrow and do the same thing, right? Um, and the other aspect of that is, you know, what about the other kids who are working their tail off to try to get an opportunity? Well, you know, sometimes you got to bench kids who are not performing well to give a kid who's showing up 30 minutes early and getting extra cuts, asking good questions, working hard, stuff like that. You have to do stuff like that. Uh, it's not personal. Yeah. It's not personal, but every year we always end up in some kind of conversation with a parent in a meeting with an athletic director because some parent thinks it's personal that we had to take the kid out the game. Um, or they didn't make the team or whatever. But, you know, none of us are waking up every day saying, man, whose kid am I going to hurt? Who's feeling, whose kid's feelings am I going to hurt today? Right? Doesn't happen. Um, but anyways, the main point here is, I just rambled for a minute, and I'm going to do that a lot. So if you listen, I'm going to do that a lot. So I'm sorry. But the main point is, as parents, and I'm a parent, we're lucky to have people who love our children as we do. Yeah, what I can tell you about Kenny Gray, what I can tell you about myself, Rhodes Dickerson, uh, Trey Allison, Coach Scott, what I can tell you about all of us and at South South Lawrence, okay, we use the love the word love a lot. And it's not transactional, it's transformational, right? It's transformational love has nothing to do with how hard you throw, how you played, none of that. We're gonna love you at your best moments, we're gonna love you at your worst moments. Um but the good coaches out there, that's how they operate. They love their players. And you know, all of us love your kids like you love your kids. Um, are we going to do things to motivate them? Yeah. You know, are we going to do things to hold them accountable? Absolutely. Are you going to agree with everything we do? No. But at the end of the day, whether you agree with it or not, at the end of all this, 10, 15 years from now, you're going to look back when you have a successful child who's now an adult and you're going to be grateful that we put them in situations where they had to earn playing time, where they lost a starting job when they didn't perform, when they did things like that, because those are valuable lessons that they're going to carry with them for the rest of their life. And 20 years from now, you're going to be thankful for that when they're successful contributors to society. And that brings me to my next point that that's, that's a really big one as far as things that I, you know, just thoughts I had, things I've learned after six years. Okay. And I love this one. You have to have the tough conversations with your players, man. As a coach, you got to be willing to do it, okay? Because that's what our job is, okay? 
It's not personal. You got to tell your players that, hey, man, put your arm around them. Listen, we're about to have a tough conversation. I had to have a really, really, really tough conversation with one of our players uh, two days ago. It was the toughest conversation I've ever had to have as a coach. I can tell you that right now. And me and that player didn't speak for a full day after that. Um, and and I find you know I had to remind him, hey man, this this is not this is not personal. I love you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, because we're going down a path we don't need to go down. You're too good of a kid for that. And uh, it's the conversation. It's hey, you bring it to you bring it to their attention, and it facilitates growth. And it's a normal part of life, right? I ask them all the time, like, do your parents love you? Yes. Yeah, coach, my parents love me. Okay, cool. Do y'all have to have tough conversations? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Does it mean they love you any less? No. No, it doesn't. It may feel like it, but it's not. I mean, they don't. Same thing with us. Like, you know, we have to have tough conversations sometimes. We spend a thousand hours a year with all of our kids. We really do. Calculate it up. It's roughly a thousand hours. Um, you know, when you spend that much time with people, you're going to get disappointed. You're going to get happy, disappointed. They're going to do things that you don't like. You're going to have to correct it. Um, you know, when you have a tough conversation, it doesn't mean that we don't care about them. We don't love them. We don't want them to succeed. You know, us having that conversation confirms that we do love them, want them to succeed and everything else. Um, so you have to have tough conversations. I always go back to a story I have one of my bosses, um, Tom Malik, when I was at Pfizer. Me and Tom didn't always see eye to eye on some things. Um, he was my boss probably during one of my, I went through a period of time where I wasn't probably, you know, I kind of bucked the system a little bit. I didn't agree with some of the things we were doing at Pfizer. And instead of just doing it, I... You know, I had to like some of our players act sometimes. I thought that my opinion mattered on something that it really didn't matter on. Um, but anyways, he just said, you know, Brandon, I'm, I'm telling you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, but the cost of tuition, okay, and he wasn't like talking physical cost of tuition, he was talking the cost of tuition in life. Um, right now, it's it was relatively low in comparison to what it's going to be 10 years from now, Right. And I wasn't meeting the standard. Um, but the good news was I had a boss who thought enough of me to say, hey, man, you're not hitting the mark, okay? And I just am bringing it to your attention now so you can correct it so there's not repercussions down the line that cost you way more than this conversation is going to cost you. Um, because the cost of failing down 10 years from now, 20 years from now for our kids is much more severe. Right. So the more normal we make it for them to embrace and meet conversations like this head on, the better off they're going to be down the line when they're actually having those conversations about stuff that really matters. Okay. All right. I'm almost done. Uh, The next thing I've learned over my time coaching is team chemistry is killed at the dinner table and on the ride home. And this is a, massive one parents cut the volume up listen okay all across this country 
problems arise in those two areas, okay? And here's why, okay? Every year we have, and we have this conversation multiple times a year with our players, okay? I'm, I'm a firm believer in everybody has a role. Every role is not equal in size, but every role is important to us executing as a team. I use the analogy of a pie chart. If you've got a pie chart with 16 slices on it, Okay, every slice isn't going to be whatever percentage that is to make it equal. That's not how high school sports work. Okay, it's not how life works. Okay, you're going to have somebody who's got 16% of the pie. Somebody's got 11. Somebody's got 9. Somebody's got 1%. Somebody's got half a percent. Somebody's got all these things. And, you know, you have to execute on your piece of the pie. That's what it comes down to. Um, so we have very open conversations with our kids about, hey, here's what your role is, okay? You need to be the best at your role, but if you don't like your role, you can improve your role through hard work and some things going right around you. Um, but we have those conversations, and our kids are bought into it. It doesn't mean they're settling for it, but it means, okay, I understand why when my coach writes the lineup card out, why I'm not starting. I understand it, but I know what my job is, so I'm ready for my job when that comes up. The problem becomes the parents, right? Because they pay admission to the first four games. Little Johnny doesn't get in it bad in the first two. He gets a pinch hit in the third game. Then he pinch hits in the fourth game, and it's a big hit. And the guy in front of him's made errors. And, you know, the guy in front of him who's been playing for him, he's 0 for 4. And then we just get in this big thing of these idiot coaches. Why aren't they playing you? Blah, 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 blah. It's just a vicious cycle. Okay. And then the worst thing that happens is then their kid gets in the car, they get home, they're eating dinner, and the parent just starts badgering them and trashing their coach and, and all this other stuff. And now the cycles began, okay? And it's a vicious cycle um, because up until that point, the kid didn't have the problem with the coaches, right? The kid was good with his role. He maybe didn't like it, but... He understood it. Um, and now his parents are putting him in a position where, you know, hey, hey, man, you need to be mad about this. Hey, your coach is an idiot. Hey, your coach is out to get you. Hey, the guy who plays in front of you, his dad gives a lot of money to the program. You know, just a bunch of trash like that. And it, it just makes it really tough because that kid's going to then come to practice. He's going to find another kid who's in a similar situation. Then the snowball's going downhill, and uh, we're just in a bad spot. So, you know, the thing for us is this. Like, the thing I tell parents all the time, like, look at the whole picture, man. You know, don't get hung up on the minute details of your kid. You know, every parent out there should entrust that, you know, the coaches – through their actions show that they're always putting the best interest of the program at the front of every decision they make. And they're giving their all to help each kid in their program, not just starters, uh, be all they can be as a player and a person. Right. Um, now there are there bad coaches out there. Yes, there are. Okay. I'm not going to say there's not, but you know, for the most part, every coach I know they're doing right by their program with every decision they make. And, uh, sometimes, your kid's a part of that equation every single night. Sometimes your kid's a role player. But regardless of what that role looks like, your child's value to the co to the program uh, 
is huge because without them, the team can't execute their version of 100%. So, you know, that, that, that's a big one. That's something I challenge parents on all the time. It's like, we got to be better to not destroy our kids' teams at the dinner table or ride home. So, and uh, that's going to bring us to the last point I have, and that's it's all about culture, man. Great culture wins championships, and that's, you know, that that's 100% fact, indisputable. Um, you can have the greatest athletes in the world, the greatest coaches, greatest AD, greatest facilities, greatest everything. Um, but if you don't have the greatest culture to match that, then you're not going to accomplish what you want to accomplish on the field. You know, we look at high school baseball, it's very rare that the best team in the state in its classification is the one that wins the state championship. Like I thought last year, I thought AC Flora was hands down one of the best team, the best team in 4A. They, they didn't, they didn't win the state championship. They didn't make it to the state championship final. Um, and they do everything. They do a lot of stuff right. But, um, so even with that, they've got great team and great culture. They still didn't make it, right? But they have won seven state championships. And, you know, that comes back down to, you know, getting lucky at the right time, executing the right plays at the right time, stuff like that. But um, you got to have great culture, man. You know, you, I can look at a team when they get off the bus and tell if they have great culture or not. I can watch the way they take infield and tell if they have great culture. You know, they're executing on, on all those little things, you know. Everybody's got their shirt tail tucked in when they walk off the bus. Yeah, hey, hey, get your gloves ready, boys, because we're in for a fight. We we'll have to take pregame BP. Guys are taking pre, you know, they're going through their pre, pre-pitch routine. You know, they're executing on stuff during BP, stuff like that. Yeah, hey, put your strap, strap the gloves on, boys. We're in for a fight. Um, you know, it's evident. Great culture stands out because not a lot of people do it, right? Um, but they just look different. I mean, in our state, you know, I put South Lawrence right there with some of the best programs in the state. Do we have the state championship to go with it? No, we don't. But we've got great culture. We execute. We do a lot of things right. I think, you know. We're, we're knocking on the door of that. But within our state, you know, there's people that I look at. Andy Hallett, Coach Andy Hallett, obviously, at AC Flora. Uh, Coach Jack Jolly at Dorman. Coach Brian Hux at Lexington. Coach Landy Cox at Berkeley. I don't know if Coach Landy Cox remembers this, but he coached me a little bit in high school when he was at South Florence. So I hitched my, I hitched my uh, tractor, you know, behind him because it's like, hey, man, it's a former South Florence guy. I just won a state championship, and he's built – just a phenomenal program at Berkeley. But, you know, in our state, when you mention programs like that, uh, I think the natural reaction for people is to say, well, well, of course they're good. They've got great athletes. Well, yeah, they do have great athletes. Okay. But there's not a dude in their program um, who's not locked in and drinking from the same water hose. Because guess what? If they're not drinking from the same water hose, they're probably not there anymore um, because, you know, just is what it is. Like, you got to be locked in. You got to be drinking from the same same hose because um, that's the thing that's going to push teams over the, over the hump. 
it was interesting to me. I, you know, I'd never been to the South Carolina Baseball Coaches Association Winter Clinic. This is the first time we went as a staff in, in the years that I've been here. I know Coach Gray used to go all the time, but this is the first time that I had ever gone. And um, it was really cool to listen to Andy Hallett talk because he kind of gave a blueprint for how he's built his program. And, you know, I remember people were kind of looking around when he was giving his little speech about, yeah, yeah, man. Hey, yeah. You show up with the wrong color belt on, you just call your mom. Hey, Sue. Tommy's no longer under our supervision today. Uh, he's heading home. Well, what do you do? He'll have to tell you when he gets there. You know, click. You know, that's. He made a point about them spending a lot of money to make sure everybody looks the same and, you know, stuff like that. And, and to. Somebody who's not in the coaching world, they say, that's kind of stupid. But it's not because it just screams that they're going to execute on the small things that are going to help them win in May, right? That's important. You know, the attention to details, the little things, championship programs execute on little things. And for him, a little thing is, if we say to wear a blue belt, that means I want everybody wearing a blue belt. If I don't want you wearing sunglasses on the bill of your cap, don't wear sunglasses on the bill of your cap because you're a me guy at that point, not a we guy. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, another coach in the state who does something interesting, like as far as taking care of the small things and how it translates to winning, you know, Coach Huck's up in Lexington. I, I, I follow him on Twitter and I see every fall, like he makes all of his guys go out to the field one day a week to work on the field. I think that's awesome because they're taking ownership in the stuff and, and their in their facilities. I mean, if you take ownership in your facilities in the fall, I think it's safe to assume you'll take care of yourself in the weight room, take ownership of your development, ownership of being a great teammate and all that other stuff. I think it's just a really small thing that gets overlooked when you got kids out there with a rake and a hoe and, and a hedger and they're taking care of their stuff, keeping it looking crisp. Just just means more when you're doing stuff like that. So those are just a couple examples, but um, you know, there's coaches all over the state. I, we're we're rich and just great coaches, great kids, and all that in South Carolina. But and I, like I said, I put South Florence High School in that mix as well. Um, we're close, man. We are very, very, very close to busting through that that wall. I feel like, but um, anyway, so. That's all I've got from all the stuff I've learned over my six years. I've learned a lot more than that, but, you know, for me, those are some things that stood out. You know, I'm obviously a blessed guy to be able to do what I do every day. Um, I'm an assistant baseball coach at the high school level, and, and I love every minute of it. Have an opportunity to impact young men the way we're able to. Uh, it's the most critical stage of their life, honestly, because it's right before they, you know, the decisions and the 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 – impact of those decisions it's the consequence of the decisions are are high um you know before before i got in coaching i didn't really understand what all this entailed you know i, I was pretty good in high school i couldn't hack it in college because it didn't work hard enough but i assumed that since i played in high school and i was good enough to play in college um that could just come out and i'd be able to use the knowledge that i'd learned to uh, and it wouldn't be difficult to win, help our team win baseball games. I just assumed that 
it was all about X's and O's and matchups and knowing when to bunt, when to steal, when should I hit and run, when should we squeeze. Okay, let's put the defense here. Okay, let's throw this pitch in this situation, blah, blah, blah. But what you end up finding out is that, you know, those things are really important on game day. Uh, the value we bring as coaches isn't in perfectly executed bunt coverages or the right squeeze call at the right time or you know whatever like our value as coaches in the lessons we teach these young men every day uh that are going to go help them execute in the game of life and that's the most important victory they're ever going to earn right winning it winning at work winning at home winning at being a parent winning at being a coach winning at being an employee whatever like those victories uh, are way more important than any victory you get playing baseball so um, that's all I've got. Episode one is a wrap. Thank you so much for uh, for listening. If you're still listening, I know I got a little long-winded. I'm going to try to keep these things at 30 minutes or less. The next three are just going to be recaps of articles that I've put out. Um, but, yeah, if you get a chance, give me a follow on Twitter at Brandon M. Hyman. Uh, you can follow me on Substack, coachhyman.substack.com. Uh, WordPress is not officially live yet, but I'll get it up once I get that up. Um, I will share that link with you as well. Always welcome to feedback. Uh, I will take all the feedback in the world. So please, you don't like something, like something, whatever, let me know. Okay, because I'm new to this. Okay, I don't know how to edit this podcast either. So, you know. I'm sure there are ways that I could cut it down, but I haven't figured out how to do it yet. But anyways, I'm new to all this. I need all the all the constructive feedback I can get. So if you hear something uh, that didn't sound good or said something you didn't like, what, reach out. Let me know. We'll work on it. So thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being a part of this journey with me. I'll catch you next time. See ya.